Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. And uh, yeah, let's get into the word. Um, we are busy with the Ephesians and I want to just invite you guys. What am I living for? Am I living for myself? Have I been caught up in, into this patterns of the world, just living like the world, looking like the world, acting like the world? There's no difference between me and the world. When I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about unbelievers. We have to ask ourselves those questions of like, what am I living for? Am I living life on purpose? Or am I just kind of coasting by and just kind of uh, blending in? without purpose, because you can blend in with purpose, right? Paul said, I became all things to all men, to the Jews, a Jew, to the Gentiles, a Gentile, etc., etc. So you can blend in for a purpose, and that's awesome. If you've got purpose with your blending in, then by all means, blend in. But if your blending in is just because you're not living life on purpose, then be challenged this morning. Anyone want to be challenged this morning? Some of you don't want to be challenged, and that's fine. God loves you. But guess what? You're not going to grow if you're not seeking to be challenged. It's impossible. If you go to the gym and say, hey, I'm just going to go there and I'm not going to challenge my body. Guess what? You're going to walk out of that gym without any difference. You could be going to the gym every day and say, I don't want to be challenged. Guess what? A year from the first day you went to the gym, you're going to still look the same. But if you go to the gym with the purpose of, I want to challenge my body today, a year from that first day, you're going to look very different. Do you guys get the analogy? So if you don't want to be challenged this morning, spiritually speaking through the word of God and being uh, living life on purpose, then you can't change. You can't change without wanting to be challenged. So this morning, if you're up for the challenge, then you're going to see fruitfulness in your life. You're going to see the love of God bring transformation in your lives because it's by revealing Jesus and Jesus in the believer that we see transformation. It's not about revealing Jesus so that people can feel better about themselves. That's very self-centered, right? Feeling better about yourself is a good thing. I get that. But feeling better about yourself and having that as the full stop and the end goal is not what Jesus came to die for. Can I get an amen? Good stuff. I'm in good company. Um, we're not about uh, just ourselves. We're wanting to um, see transformation in our lives and then in the people around us as well. So we're busy with Ephesians. And uh, we're going to jump right into um, Ephesians 3.20. We'll just recap quickly, just from last week again. The Christian life is really about uh, uh, making or getting to know Jesus and then making him known in our lives. Because as we get to know Jesus, by default, we're going to want to share him with our, um, the people around us. And that's really God's heart. The more we experience his love for us, the more we're going to overflow with his love for the people around us and 3 verse 20 which we finished off with last week just want to um, kind of uh, recap from there and then go into this morning's uh, chapter chapter 4 verse 20 and 21 now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us unto him be the glory in the church by christ jesus throughout all ages world without end amen and this is where we kind of uh, just finished off with in light of Everything that we looked at, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, it's all talking about this identity, the, 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 
the new creation, our oneness with Christ. It's talking about Him living in us. And Him living in us is for a purpose, for, for us to be transformed, for our hearts to come in alignment with His heart. Psalm 34 verse 7 says that, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. 37 verse 4. Um, just uh, swapping those numbers around. Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Which means that as we enjoy fellowship with Him, as we're spending time with Him, our hearts are going to become aligned with His heart. With His heart. Our, our hearts become pliable, moldable, so to speak. And He's able to mold it in according to His pleasures and His desires. So before you know it, you're no longer seeking things for yourself, but you're seek, seeking things to advance His kingdom. You're seeking things that are uh, aligning with His kingdom being established here on earth. And that's really Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. It's talking about this identity, talking about this fellowship that we have with Christ. This oneness that we're sharing with. Then we go into chapter 4, get into this morning, which is going to be a challenging few weeks. I'm just going to switch mics. It's definitely going to be a challenging few weeks because, like I said, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, identity, and then Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, it's growing up. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's that because of Christ in you, this is the life that you get to live. Because of His Spirit living inside of you, guess what? He doesn't want you to stay the same. He wants His love in you to transform you. He wants you to come to the revelation, to the knowledge of the truth, because that truth, John 8 verse 32, is going to set you free. Knowing this, coming to know this intimately. So He wants to live through us. He doesn't just want to live in us, but He wants to live through us. Amen. Ephesians 1, 2, 3, it's Him living in us. Ephesians 4, 5, 6, it's Him living through us. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, because of everything that we've talked about, we before, because of chapter 1, 2, and 3, therefore, our prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. To lead a life. Paul is making this plea. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, I'm going to ask this question. Who is in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your life? Who gets to make your decisions? Not me. Not the person sitting next to you. It's not God. You are in charge of your life. God has given you free will. What are you doing with that free will? Are you leading a life worthy of your calling? Paul, Apostle Paul is making this plea to the believers. In light of everything that we've been looking at over these past few weeks, in light of that, I'm calling you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Worthy of your calling. What have you been called to? You've been called to God. You've been called to fellowship with Him. You've been called to relationship with Him. And that relationship is going to bring change in our lives. But it's not going to happen by default. We have to lead ourselves. We have to lead our lives because no one else is going to lead you. Leading yourself starts with, or, or being led starts with you leading yourself. You had to choose to be here this morning at this gathering, right? Someone forced you to be here. By the looks on, on some of your faces, someone definitely forced you to be here. I'm joking. I'm, I'm just joking. You chose to be here this morning. You've chosen to be somewhere else this morning. So you start with 
leading your life. And then from that place, you can allow others to also lead you and speak into your life. We can't determine everything that happens to us, but we can determine how we're responding to it. I spoke to someone this morning who's, who's going through a few challenges as well. And I encourage them, like, those things happen, yes. But how are you responding to those things? Because you can't change what happened to you. You can't change what is going to happen to you, maybe. How people are going to, uh, um, uh, uh, I'm losing my words. How people are going to um, treat you, how people are going to um, mistreat you. You can't determine those things. But you can determine how you're going to respond to those things. You get to lead your life. No one else can do it as good as you can. Now, in light of all of this, we have to ask this question as well. Who are you empowered to live like? 1 John 4, 17. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. We have been empowered to live like Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. Why? Because his spirit is living in us. 1 Corinthians uh, um, 6.17 says that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. We are one spirit with God. As he is, so are we. We've been empowered to live like Jesus. Now, if you look at the Gospels, Jesus was a pretty cool guy. He dealt with people in ways that is just radical. And Stephen is an awesome example as well, where Jesus on the cross said that, don't hold the sin against them, the guys who are crucifying him, everyone who's just kind of treating him quite horribly, right? Anyone been crucified in this room? No one. Good. So Jesus being crucified utters those words, Father, don't hold the sin against them. Now you think, oh man, that's, that's Jesus. That's the son of God. Guess what? Stephen did exactly the same thing. Stephen was martyred while he's being stoned to death. While he's being thrown with rocks not pebbles because a pebble isn't going to stone someone to death right you've maybe like someone's maybe thrown you with a pebble and like it's not going to kill you unless they've got a strong arm but it's so when it's talking about stone talking about picking up a a, a rock that is the size of your hand and throwing it at someone with the intent to kill while this is happening Stephen is looking up Jesus uh, Stephen who was just like you and me, he had the Spirit of God living inside of him. And that same guy, while he's being murdered, being thrown with rocks, he says, Father, do not hold their sin against them. How is that possible? It's impossible in, in your own human strength. But with God, all things are possible. Now, we often want to say, yeah, all things are possible, but we're talking about self-centered gain. You want to be challenged this morning? What are you using the all things are possible sentence mostly in your life for? Philippians 4.13. What are you using that scripture mostly for in your life? Stephen used it for one specific purpose. To glorify God, his kingdom, and the spirit of God living inside of him. Amen or oh me. This is, this is who we've been created to be, to, to live the life of Jesus, to live 
in his fruitfulness. Ephesians 4, 2-3 says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The New Living Translation says it like this, Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, the emphasis here and what we need to always understand, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 can't be read without the context of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. You can't just kind of become born again and you receive God's Spirit and then someone says, okay, cool, go and meditate on Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. It's going to put a heavy on you. It's going to put a burden on you. It's going to put works in front of the root. It's going to put fruit ahead of the root. We need to understand the root, and the root here is being emphasized again because of your love. Not your human love, but because of the love of Christ that is living inside of you. We get to be humble. We get to be gentle. We get to be patient with each other. We get to make allowances for each other's faults. Hey guys, uh, patience being tested this morning. Or was it just me hearing something going off in the, the speakers? I don't know what's happening. Um, but don't be distracted. The, the devil obviously wants to distract a few guys this morning. Don't be distracted. Receive the word. Now, what this is not saying is, it's not saying that we are forced to forgive one another. We are forced to, 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 to act in a certain way. It's an encouragement showing us how we can act because of love. We need to remember this, guys. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit is a fruit that you get to bear, not a fruit that you have to bear. But it would be silly of us to not, to not want to bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? To not want to bear the fruit of making allowances for each other's faults. But we also need to understand when we forgive someone, we're not okaying the wrong that they did. There's a misconception. Oftentimes you think if I'm going to forgive this person, then I'm saying by forgiving them that it's okay what they did. That's not what forgiveness means. When Jesus came to die for the sin of the world, he didn't say, hey guys, it's okay how you're living. Carry on. He came to die for the sin of the world to deal with the problem of sin, but more so specifically to deal with the nature of sin so that people can receive a new nature and not continue living in sin. Sin, living in sin doesn't bless God's heart. Jesus said that you'll bring glory to my father when you bear much fruit, not when you're indulging in sin. But we need to understand the empowering. Where is this coming from? Where is this transformation coming from? It's coming from our spirits. How do we demonstrate this forgiveness? We're looking at forgiveness. How do we demonstrate radical forgiveness? Luke chapter 7 and uh, 1 Corinthians 13 really paints this, this answer for us. And 1 Corinthians 13, firstly, when you're looking at this chapter of love that you normally hear at weddings, I always share uh, 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings. I often share it at weddings as well. Um, and, but the awesome thing, when we're sharing these, the, the scripture at weddings, we're not sharing it as a, this is how you need to live. We're sharing it, this is God's love for you. Because that is what it's about. It's about God's love for you. God's love for you is patient. God's love for you doesn't keep records of wrong. 
And when we come to know that love of God, when we come to experience that love of God, guess what? You're going to overflow with that love to the people around you. You cannot give someone what you don't have. It's common sense, guys. If I don't have a million rand in my bank account, then I can't give a million rand away. You can't give what you don't have. So we need to come and come in contact with the love of God and come in contact with it on a daily basis, experience it, open up our hearts to experience it on a daily basis. And as we do, there'll be overflow. And the passage in Luke chapter 7, at the, the end of the chapter, we see this extravagant act of, of sacrificial love. And uh, the, the, the story kind of comes to an end where Jesus says that those who have been forgiven much will love much. So in proportion to how much you know that you've been forgiven, meaning how much you've been loved, because it's not about forgiveness, it's about why were you forgiven? You were forgiven because of love. Jesus didn't come to die for the world to uh, um, just forgive, but it was a demonstration of love, and that love forgave. So we need to understand that that was the heart of God, that was His intention, to demonstrate love. And as we encounter that love, then there will be an overflow for us, and we'll live lives um, loving the people and forgiving the people around us, making um, uh, allowances for each other's faults. Then verse 4 and 6 says, there's one body, and we're going to camp on this a little bit, Ephesians 4, uh, 4 to 6, there's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through you all and in you all. How often does the word one come up in this? It's the emphasis. One, 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 one. Why is there emphasis? We have to ask ourselves when we're studying the word, why? Don't just read the word. We've never been instructed to read the word. We've been instructed to study the word. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study to show ourselves, to come uh, convinced of the word of God, to become convinced of his, his, uh, his declaration of us, to become convinced of his word living inside of us. We become convinced as we're studying the word, but we also become convinced as we rightly divide it. Because if we wrongly divide it, it's going to leave us questioning. There's a lot of believers in this world questioning the true nature of God because they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. So one is coming up eight times of you, including God the Father or one God and Father. So why is the emphasis of oneness? Because oneness signifies unity. And what does unity bring? It brings strength. It brings power. Now there's a lot of things within the body of Christ as a whole that we can disagree on. There's a lot of things that we can disagree on. But there's an encouragement in Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 4 now specifically in this verses there's there's one thing that we need to be in unity about and that's jesus jesus died jesus was raised and our spirit is living inside of us and that one thing needs to become such a major in our lives that when there's disagreements on other things those things do not take away from our cherished unity those things do not make us angry at one another and and upset with one another. We need to make the one thing the main thing. And there's a lot of things that we've been looking at in the past weeks as well. That, that are things that we can disagree on. 
but they're actually just distracting. If it's pulling away from Jesus, then let's, let's just kind of put it on the shelf and, and get back to that one thing. Advancing God's kingdom through preaching the gospel, that one thing. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Jesus' spirit is living in the believer so that we can live in union with God and bear the fruit of Christ. John 17 verse 22, 23 says this, And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I've given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and I now live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Now, this is awesome. Jesus is praying. Man, when Jesus is praying, we want to kind of take note. What is he praying for? He's not praying for more prosperity. He's not praying for let them not be persecuted. He's not praying. We need to focus on what is he praying for? He's praying for one thing. He's praying for unity. He's praying for the believers to experience the unity that Jesus and God Almighty is experiencing. That's perfect unity. There was no disunity between God and Jesus. Now that is what Jesus is praying for us as believers. How is that unity even possible? Romans 8 verse 18 to 19 says this, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unfailing of God's glorious sons and daughters, or the unveiling, sorry, of God's glorious sons and daughters. Now, this unity that we're experiencing, the Spirit of God in us, is going to produce something. As Romans here says, and as Jesus is praying for, I'm praying that the world would see this. All of creation, Roman 8, is, is waiting in expectations for the sons of God to be revealed, to be unveiled. And Jesus is praying and he's saying that us coming into a unity is going to lead to that. Us coming into agreement with the Spirit of God, coming to a place of enjoying the unity of one another and our unity with God is going to produce the fruitfulness, the kind of fruitfulness that this world is waiting to see. There's an awesome reality that God has done what he's wanted to do in the sense of sending Jesus and his spirit living inside of us. Now, there's a lot for us to co-labor with him in order to see his plan to come to fruition. His plan is coming to fruition. But he's chosen us to be co-laborers with him to make that come to pass. And one of the things that I realized with all of us being here this morning, maybe you're, all of us are definitely here for different purposes, different reasons. Maybe you're here because you like the coffee. Maybe you're here because you had no, nothing else to do and now you get to see a bunch of cool people. Maybe you came for the worship. Like maybe you came, you fill in the blank. But for us as a ministry, like I said, 
our heart is to reveal Jesus to the unbeliever and to reveal Jesus, the reality of him in the believer. And that reality is going to bring change. That reality is going to bring transformation in your lives. And the other thing that that's going to do, it's going to make you realize that you've got a purpose that goes beyond you working a job and earning, earning a salary. That purpose goes beyond you just having all of your needs met. Because the things that you are accumulating today and in your lifetime are not going to be in heaven one day. Because all things are going to burn up one day. The nice car that you're driving. I know it's challenging. But guess what the challenge is going to bring? Fruitfulness. It's not always nice to go to the gym and then you're like hurting your muscles. And like, oh man, it's a straining my muscles. And they sift the following day and it's like, oh, ain't no. But man, is it awesome when you see the fruit, right? When you see like, man, this is paying off. And this is God's heart's desire for us to not be these spiritual fat cats, spiritually constipated, but he wants there to be overflow in our lives. And we're looking at this. He wants us to, 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 to demonstrate himself to the world that we're living in. To focus on the unity that we have with God the Father and with one another to the degree that that unity is actually visibly seen by people. The more you realize how one you are with Christ, the more you're going to bear the fruit of that oneness. It's very simple. Maybe you came here for a complicated message like rocket science type of vibe. That's not what we do here. We keep the gospel simple because the gospel is simple. Coming to understand the union, the, 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 the oneness that we share with Jesus is going to produce so much fruitfulness. All this oneness is pointing to the finished work of Jesus. Without Jesus, without what he did for us, the oneness wouldn't be a possibility. The spirit of God living in man. And this oneness also signifies a purpose, signal, signalness of purpose. Not there's many things that you're called to do. There's one thing that you've been called to do. You've been called to relationship with God and that relationship is going to produce something. It's going to bear fruit. And that fruit is going to draw people. And guess what is that? What is that draw intended for? For you to feel good about yourself, for you to have a lot of money, for you to have that, that fruitfulness intended to point people to Jesus so they can become one with Christ and enjoy all of eternity with him. There's this emphasis of oneness and all of that is pointing to one thing, one purpose. It's not many different visions, but one. Not many different goals, but one. One hope we can all dear to, and that's our calling to God, to family. Not hope for many things, but one hope, one calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord. Um, what is this talking about? Luke 16 verse 13 from the Passion says, It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You'll be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. It's no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one and def defin definite <laughs> def definitely. Yeah, it's a, I want to say one word, but it seems like it's saying another word. 
let's say definitely reject the other. And this is really, all of our lives are, I believe, at different places of, of, of glorifying Jesus and making, Lord, making him Lord over our life. Because it's not a one-off thing. One-off in the sense of receiving the Spirit of God living in you and becoming a son of God. But then for the rest of your life here on earth, you're going to choose to what degree are you making Jesus Lord over your life? To what degree are you partaking of his global rescue plan? I was reminded of this picture when I love the, the analogy of war, not because of people getting killed and all of that, but there's so much uh, uh, spiritual significance to the, the, the picture of war. And one of the things is this, when you, when you um, I believe in America, it was very much in, in South Africa at a time as well, when you have to go to war, like they aren't, you don't get to choose. I know there was some T's and C's to it, but all in all, when you get assigned to go to war, you're going to war. And then they call you a, a GI, a government issue. And we are in the same sense, GIs, God issue. God has issued you to accomplish something on this earth. Now, when someone goes to war and they're part of a troop, there's one goal. There's not various goals. There's one goal. There's one mission. And the troops don't come around and say like, oh, I don't feel like it. I don't want to do this. It doesn't work like that. And praise God, it's a little bit different in the church, but that freedom is also creating a lot of room for, for immaturity, right? None of us in this room. None of us in this room are immature. Everyone who didn't come. But the point is this, in life, you can't have two masters. You can't be devoted to two missions. And there's a call from God to us. And man is it an awesome call. And it's an awesome invitation to make our lives servants of one Lord. And that's Jesus. And again, how do we do that? What is the motivation? How do we get to that place? Because this world is, is fighting for attention. It's fighting for us to, to have different values and kind of building our own empires, all of these things. How do, we, how do we do this? How do we make Jesus Lord? How do we love him with a sacrificial love? Again, Luke 7, as we encounter his love for us. 1 John 4, we love him because he first loved us. If you want to grow in your life for God, grow in his life for you. Simple. Religion says, no, we need to love God. We need to do this. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. No, that's the response to his life for you. That's a response to your new nature, to your new identity. One faith. There's only one way to enjoy this reality. It's through one faith, Jesus Christ. By grace through faith, you've been saved. Not by grace through your works, by grace through faith in his works. That's God's desire for us, for the whole world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. This is, this is ultimately what our faith is intended for. Not for us to believe for bigger houses or to believe for all of these temporal things that are one day not going to matter. Our faith has ultimately got one specific purpose. Hebrews chapter 11 is beautifully kind of painting this picture for us. And it's talking about all of these, 
the, these great men and women of faith. And then it finishes off in uh, Hebrews 11 verse, uh, year by 38. And it says that all of these have attained a good report, but they have not received the promise. And then it carries on talking about Jesus being the author and the perfecter of our faith. And, and that is all just talking about the spirit of God living in man. That is the promise that God made to Abraham for his spirit to live in man. And our lives, I believe, is this life of growing in faith to come to believe that, being fully convinced to that, utterly convinced with God's spirit living in me. And that spirit living in me is there to accomplish a purpose. And that requires faith to believe that. It requires faith to walk that out when you've got bills to pay. It requires faith to walk that out when you're having troubles in your marriage when you're having troubles with the relationships around you, it requires faith to not be swayed by these things, to not be uh, distracted by these things in the natural that are not going to matter in light of eternity. It requires faith to keep the main thing the main thing. But power flows from that place. Coming to believe, become fully persuaded with the oneness that we have in Christ and with one another. Romans 6 verse 4 says, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we are co-buried and entombed with him. So that when the father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. This picture of baptism is the baptism into the family of God, being immersed into the family of God. There's only that one baptism that brings transformation. It's the baptism of God's spirit living in you. Nothing else brings transformation. That's why it's referring to one baptism. There's one baptism that is utterly important for us to come to know, become fully persuaded by. And it's this oneness that we share with Jesus. Being co-crucified with him, being co-resurrected with him. 2 Corinthians 5.17. For anyone who's in Christ is a new creature, a new creation. That happened when you received the spirit of God living in you. The old is gone, the new has come. You are immersed into the family of God. And the awesome thing with that is natural family kind of, you can uh, get rid of and you can like uh, avoid them. And even spiritual family, you can avoid us for a little time, but in light of eternity, you're stuck with us. You're stuck with us. You're not going to get away from us. You're stuck with us because you've been immersed. You've been, you've been uh, intertwined into one another. As we are one with Jesus and his spirit, so we are one with one another because we share the same spirit. That's a beautiful reality. Coming to a close, Ephesians 4 verse 6 says, reading from uh, the Passion, it says, And He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. We have one Father, and He had one purpose, one goal. There's an emphasis on one, and we need to ask why. All of this oneness is pointing to a single purpose, a single goal. Not many goals, not many purposes, not many things, but one thing. 
we have one father. We had one purpose, one goal. That goal was to make the reality of Christ's word living in us a reality, making it available. Because it wasn't always available. The spirit of God living in man and abiding in man wasn't always available until Jesus came. It was always on God's heart. It was always his desire. But that desire came to fulfillment, came to completion when Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and he poured out his spirit. And we are living in the reality. We are living in the fulfillment of that reality, and we get to experience that. We get to experience that. This is God's heart's desire for us to be united with him, enjoy unbroken fellowship for all of eternity. And this is something he desires for the whole world. God's will is for not any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. For all to come to receive and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And again, we, we ask this often, if this is on God's heart, then as his sons and daughters, what are on all our hearts? What are we building? What are we chasing in this life? This is where the, the challenge comes in this morning and is continually building around. And the awesome thing with this is I'm not, I'm not saying my life is perfect and I'm getting all of these things right and man, I never waste time. I waste time on Netflix. I waste time on social media. But as I'm getting into the word and as I'm spending time with Jesus, I'm choosing to be challenged by these things. And I'm choosing to, to, to say, Father, whatever you're challenging me to, I've been empowered to rise to the occasion. Each one of you, it doesn't matter where you are currently at. It doesn't matter how little you are making an impact for the kingdom of God currently. You are empowered to take the next step into living life on purpose and to making an impact that is going to last for eternity. And the only impact that lasts for eternity is the impact that you have with people. Nothing else is lasting for eternity. The chair that you're sitting on is not going to last for eternity. The clothes you're wearing is not going to last for eternity. The food that you're going to eat later, you know, it doesn't last for eternity. There's one thing that lasts for eternity. There's one impact worth measuring, worth, worth building around, and that's the impact of people. Impacting people's lives for all of eternity. And I shared the testimony early on, and I'll close with this. Um, God's put an awesome uh, business opportunity um, in my wife and I's hands. And with this business opportunity, I knew as I pursued this, I was like, man, this is going to create opportunities for me to have kingdom impact. It's going to create opportunities for me to, to minister to people that I would have never, without this business opportunity, have the opportunity to minister to. And one of the ladies that I'm dealing with is from China. And um, obviously no China and I know the Eastern countries and I know it's, it's it's not a, it doesn't take a word of knowledge for me to assume she's not a believer. Like, let me put it like that. So I knew that I've got this opportunity and I knew that 
I wouldn't receive necessarily a burning bush kind of audible voice from heaven moment of like, okay, cool. Now it's the time to minister to her. I knew it wouldn't come. But one thing I did know is every person that you ever deal with has a spiritual condition. Every person in this room, every person that you're going to bump into after this meeting, every person you ever meet has got a spiritual condition. And their spirits are either alive, united with their holy God, Father, creator, and their living life through purpose with him. Or their spirits are dead and separated from the living God. There's two camps. And I pray that we will start receiving, and this is something we grow in, realizing and having an urgency and a realization that man, I could impact this person's eternity. I don't need to be the most eloquent speaker. I don't need to know the Bible back to front. I just need to know one thing, and it's Jesus' love, the sacrifice that he made for me. And, and all we need to do is share that, be sowers of the word, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to their hearts. That's all we need to do. We don't need to choose for them. But oftentimes we do choose for them by saying they're probably not going to receive. So you choose on their behalf what they're going to do with something that they don't even know. They haven't even heard of. And this lady specifically, when I said, have you ever heard the gospel? She said, what is the gospel? That's radical. We're growing up in a nation culturally having heard about Jesus before we came out of the womb. Because your mother probably talked Jesus over you while you were in the womb. <laughs> they don't have that. They are, there's a, in the school of the believer, one of the things that we saw, statistics show that one third of the world has never heard about Jesus. Not heard about Jesus and rejected him. They haven't even heard. Now, a difficult question to ask is this. How many of us are on the battlefield and how many of us are sitting in the comfort of our home saying, at least someone is fighting this battle. Someone else will, will kind of do it. And there's, a, there's an awesome, I don't know if it's a, it's a scientific fact that, I can't remember, it was an engineer who shared this with me. Um, so it gives a little bit more context to it. We went on a, a men's camp and um, I was like, do you have a charger? And he says, like, no, I don't have a charger. And then he told me this interesting story that if you ever, if you ever make a decision based on this thought that someone else will. For example, I'm going on the camp. Someone else will bring a charger. If you're making that decision and that, and you put yourself in everyone else's shoes to have that same thought, someone else will guess what is going to happen. No one will. No one will bring a charger because everyone is going to think someone else will. Who's going to advance God's kingdom? Is someone else going to? Who's going to share with that colleague of yours who's an unbeliever? Who's going to share with that loved one of yours who's an unbeliever? Who's going to share with that person in China that you're dealing with? Is someone else going to? Let's not have that mindset someone else will because jesus chose you and me 
It doesn't mean that you have to come stand up front here and minister the gospel in the way that I'm doing. You don't have to minister the gospel the way anyone else is doing it. You just have to share from your personal experience how God has touched your life. And if you, if you haven't had that experience, allow Him to show you. Open up your hearts to the love of Christ. Allow Him to love on you. And there will be an overflow and you'll get to minister to other people. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.